0: If there's any word I could think of to describe it, it might be, because there's a lot of words we'd like to use to describe the year 2020. Some we probably shouldn't use in church even. But the word is, that came to me was unplanned. And if there is Anybody who knows me at all, if there's anything that I like more than anything else, it's to have a plan. I like to know where we're going to start, what we're going to... I mean, if you guys could look at my calendar, every minute of every day pretty much has some kind of plan to it. But as hard as I tried, and God knows with all my might, I tried to plan a message for today... And as hard as I tried and as many times as I tried, God would not allow me to have a plan for this day. So I just want you, thank you, worship team, for pressing in this morning. Don't go far because we don't know what the plan is, okay? But right in this moment, I think it's okay if we step down and everybody has a seat in this moment. Is there anybody out there that can make me feel a little bit better right now and just say that you like to have a plan? Yes. I like to have a plan. And as I was praying last night, because I was desperate for the word of the Lord for today, for God to let me in on it. You know, everybody likes to be in on the secret, right? Like I I was like, God, just let me in what you want to do today. And all I heard him say, there were a couple of, you know, there's, there's some, I put some things down on paper, because I wasn't going to come up here without anything at all. But the Lord said, the word that I heard in my spirit was unrehearsed. And I like a good rehearsal. Amen, Atira? Yes. We don't like to just get up here and just throw something together. But do you know that sometimes the best things come out of the most unrehearsed moments? Yeah. Right. Yeah. And I feel like that's what 2020 has been to so many of us. Yes. Like as much as we tried to plan, as much as we tried to, to throw the rehearsal together and plan, like there was no planning because every five minutes something new came out. Something changed the plan. And, and finally we all got to the, to the place where we were throwing up our hands and we're like, okay, Guess we're just not gonna have any plans this year. And it feels a little bit like we're out wandering in the wilderness, right? Like the children of Israel. It's like we know there's a destination that we're trying to get to. We just don't know how we're gonna get there. And this isn't what we planned, God. We were all for being delivered from Egypt, But God was like, don't forget, I got to deliver Egypt out of you before you can enter into the promise. And so as much as we're looking forward to midnight on January 1st to flip the calendar page over and for it to say, it's now 2021, the reality is flipping a calendar page probably isn't going to make that big of a change. And plan as we try. Sometimes God wants us to walk by faith. You know, I just thought of it just in this moment. Another word for walking in this unrehearsed season is like walking in the faith season. Like, we hear about faith all the time in church. Like, that's what we base our lives off of, faith. And yet, none of us have really had to actually walk a season of true faith where our complete trust and reliance is on God. I mean, we're blessed to live in this country where a lot of things are provided for us. We don't know a lot of what it's, what it's like to live without. Even when we live without, it's not like what other countries do when they live without. And so we're just gonna do our best this morning to follow the leading of the Holy Spirit. And I'm going to try really hard not to look at these notes because that's my safe place. But we all heard Dr. John talk last week. It's time for us to like remove the safety nets. Like I I just want to step out into the water, into the deep. It's easy to say it. It's easy to sing it. It's a whole nother thing to do it. The one thing that I, the only thing that I really heard confidently from the Lord was to share a story with you this morning. So I feel like, you know, buckle up because this message is going to be a lot like 2020 has been where we're going to take a lot of lefts, a lot of rights. There's not going to be, we're not going to know when it's going to happen. We're just going to go there. So can you buckle up your seatbelts this morning and let's get on, on the ride together. Don't leave me hanging out here by myself. I love a good roller coaster, but it's so much better when other people are on there with me. I couldn't imagine doing it by myself. All right, so buckle up. When I was a young person, I'm still a young person. When I was a younger person, about 14 years old is when I gave my life to the Lord. And thank you. God is good. It was only a few years ago. Anyway, um, I walked into a little church, and it was a youth group. I went to uh, something similar to an Elevate on a Tuesday night, and I walked out of there, and my life was rocked. See, this 14-year-old girl at that time, she'd been to church all her life, but I had never experienced the presence of God ever. Um, To me, church was just a good thing that good people do, you know, but it wasn't, no one talked to me about having a real relevant relationship with Jesus. Like, that was foreign. So here I was walking into this really unfamiliar place because my brother had gone, who was a couple years older than me, and him and his friend invited me and my friend to come, and my life, like I said, was changed. I did not get saved that night. I just remember walking out that door dumbfounded, like something is different here, but it's real, and I came back again on a Tuesday night, and I did not get saved. They gave an invitation every night at the end of the service, but I, I didn't know Until the third night when I came and that's when I gave my life to the Lord and that's where I began my journey in this relationship with Jesus and I'm so thankful for that little church in Roseville, California that reached out to a young person like me. And a couple years later I met a girl in youth group and we became friends and I got to know her family a little bit. They were a military family actually and uh, had just recently moved to the Sacramento area And what I didn't know at first as I'm getting to know her is that she had an older sister in her 20s that was married and had two little children. And I came to find out from a message that was being preached from the pulpit, not even from my friend that I had gotten to know, that her sister was in the hospital dying from cancer. And it was the first time that I remember the message of faith really being imparted into me because They used her story, the pastor used her story a lot to demonstrate as an illustration of what faith is. And the church came together like the church is supposed to do and prayed and believed and confessed. And they didn't, I mean, this, it was the most powerful demonstration of faith that I had ever witnessed in my life at that point. And we were all like, she's healed. God is doing a miracle And miracle of miracles, she got better. She was not supposed to live. And she got better. And eventually we started seeing her come to church. And you saw the joy on her face and just the gratefulness and gratitude of her and her husband and her family. Beautiful family. Until one day we stopped seeing her. And it took a few weeks to realize, you know, and I'm friends with her sister, but I'm knowing nothing that's going on. But come to find out she was back in the hospital and the cancer had come back. And I remember it was radio silent in the church at that point. Nobody was talking about it. And I only knew from behind the scenes this time what was going on. And I remembered thinking, this is confusing because I just watched the most, dem- the, the most powerful demonstration of faith being exercised in the church. And now, all of a sudden, she's dying again. And nobody's talking about it. You know, I want to be someone that pleases God. And the Bible's really clear about how we please God, right? Without faith, it's impossible to please God. Hebrews eleven six 6 is probably like the most famous scripture on faith that we have. It's the most basic elementary um, level or description of what faith is. Eventually, as she was nearing her last days in the hospital, we started talking about it again in the church. And not much, but then we found out that she passed away, that she transitioned from this world to the next world. And while I'm assuming the majority of people, I know me in particular sat there completely confused. How could a good God, right? How many times have we heard it? How can a good God allow something this awful to happen? She had two young children, younger than Imani running around. She had a husband. She had a mom and a dad that served the Lord. She had siblings that loved God, served God. How could this happen? I mean, I heard the church pray. I heard us stand in faith. I watched her get healed and come back to church. Like, I saw it. So now I'm confused. And the the word that keeps ringing in my mind is I couldn't reconcile. And those of you that are not accounting people, reconciling something is when you need the two things to balance out. And I could not reconcile this God who I heard about, who was almighty, all powerful, able to heal, also allowing this same God, allowing a beautiful young mother with so much potential and years ahead of her to die at a young age. The only thing I heard about the story after that from the pulpit was about the moment that she transitioned from this world to the next, everybody, the family was in the room, the pastor was in the room, and they described it as the most peaceful moment that they'd ever experienced in their life. They knew God was in the room, and it was such a beautiful moment. But after that moment passed, I watched this family. I watched that peace for some slowly, for others quickly disappear in their lives because they also couldn't reconcile. I mean, it literally turned to, it devastated this once really strong pillar family in the church. They were devastated afterwards. No one was prepared. They were completely caught off guard because they just fully believed that God was gonna do a miracle on their behalf and that God was gonna heal this young lady. And no one knew what to do with that afterwards. And literally, family members asking, more like accusing other families, did you have doubt in your heart? Did you doubt? Did you really not believe? Because why did this happen? Not only were they accusing one another, then it's the whole accusal of God. Some of them completely turned around, including my friend, and accused God. How could you? let my sister die. And pretty much all of them from that moment on went their separate ways from each other and from the Lord. It changed everything. Because to them, they had this faith that the Bible talked about. They believed and they did not Doubt, like I know they didn't doubt because they were completely shocked when she died so that tells me that they were fully convinced that God was able and that he would do it for them what do we do with those moments and some of us are sitting here in December of 2020 sitting in those same moments and nobody's talking about it I shouldn't say that we're talking about it here at the building But some of us this morning, I feel like we're still sitting here like, well, if God was so good, why would he cause this to happen, or why would he allow this to happen and me lose my business? And now I can't take care of my family. Now the dream that he put in my heart, it's gone. Why would he give me a dream and take it away? Or allow it to be taken away? Why would God allow Pastor John, who's doing Great things for the kingdom. Why would he allow him? Not to just to have one stroke, okay, guys, but two. If we're really honest today, and that's all God wants is our honesty. We've had questions, and that's okay. What's not okay is to not talk about it. I mean, Pastor Kaya, you guys need to go back and watch Tuesday night's Bible study, where she talked about proper pain management, because we've been experiencing some pain this year, maybe some of us, like we never have before. And we don't know what to do with it. And we don't have time every Sunday morning or Tuesday night to talk about everybody's specific issue. But we can't ignore and sweep things under the rug. That's not how it is. Eventually, you're going to trip over that rug because it's going to get so full of stuff underneath it. One of the things I learned as a young lady, and you hear it in show business, but I learned it, if I'm honest, being in the church, that the show must go on. Anybody hear that saying, "The show must go on, No matter. You could be bleeding, you could be, you know, walking around with a broken leg, having a stroke, but the show's got to go on, pastor. And it sounds good on the uh, on the outside of it, because yes, life keeps moving. Life does not wait on the wounded. (sighs) But it also, God never told us to pretend. Faith is not pretending. Okay, it's knowing that there's a. It's not ignoring the facts. Faith doesn't mean we ignore that Pastor had a stroke and that he has a heart condition. You don't hear Pastor John walking around saying. You know, you you hear him walking around saying, I am healed, but you don't hear him say, but I don't have a heart condition. There's an acknowledgement of the facts. We just know there's a higher truth above that, okay? We don't pretend like we haven't been wounded in 2020. We just know that there's a truth that resides above the facts, and that's what our foundation is. It's called faith, but I believe God wants to take us from one level of faith to another level of faith, you know? We like, as humans, to understand things. Like I said, we already, like, we already said we like to have a plan. We like to have neat boxes and, you know, everything be understandable, and God is like the complete opposite of that. Because if we could understand God, we would not need God, okay? His ways are not our ways. In fact, the Bible tells us that his ways are higher than our ways, Okay? The way we do things is not the way that God does things. So get that out of your mindset, okay? If 2020 has taught us nothing, it's that we can't depend on a plan and what we understand. And that's not faith. Some people might be thinking like, Jenny, why did you share this story this morning if you're talking about faith? This story sounds more like God failed. My God does not fail. Oh, whoa, whoa, it's the story I'll tell. I don't know if you know that song. Mm -hmm. (laughs) As humans, we like things to make sense. Like two plus two is always four. My brother is a math teacher, okay? He's a college-level math teacher. I feel like when he talks to me about math, he is speaking a completely different language than I because did you know when you get to higher level of math, some of you may know because you're really smart in, all of, in math, but I am not. I, I was pretty much a straight-A student until I got to, like, calculus level, and then I was like, I'm done. That's beyond me. But there are times when 2 plus 2 does not equal 4. I don't, I'm just going to let you in on that. I don't understand it. I don't know why, but I feel like that's the description of God, too. Sometimes 2 plus 2 with God equals 4, but sometimes 2 plus 2 with God equals 15. And sometimes it equals 22, and sometimes it equals 15,523. And I can't explain to you why. Because his ways are higher than our ways. And when we reduce faith to a formula, all we're doing is creating science. Like that's what science is it's creating formulas and math, it's creating formulas to get a result. Like if I do this same pattern every single time, I will get the same result every time. And when we reduce faith to a formula, like if I confess it and I believe it, I'll receive it. We've reduced God to a formula. We've reduced him to a scientific equation that we can understand and do every single time. But that requires zero faith. And we are to live, the just shall live by what we understand. The just shall live by however I feel that day. No, the just shall live by faith. And every day looks different. And every time I've tried doing the same equation every time when I've needed a miracle or I've needed an answer from God and all it has done is left me more confused. God's like yeah last time that was two but this time the answer is five but wait I did I added two plus two again like how how can it be four over here and five over here and God's like yep that's why I need you to depend on me because we're never gonna understand I drive my husband crazy all the time with that question but I, I don't under or that statement I don't understand Like, my brain needs to understand it. I need to understand why that 20-something young woman with two baby girls had to die. It makes no sense. It's like two plus two equals six. It doesn't make sense. But there is a higher level of faith that we've got to press into. I want to just briefly, I'm going to look at a couple of notes here that as the Lord allows, but it says the definition of faith, number one is belief that is not based on proof. Like, even if I don't see it, you're working. Even if I can't feel it, you're working. Like, I don't need to see it. I don't need to feel it. I don't need to understand it to know that you're working. I need no proof. That is faith. And number two, definition of faith is Confidence or trust in a person or thing. Confidence or trust in a person or thing. So I feel like, like the beginning level of faith is just simply believing that God can, that he is all powerful, that he is God. And I feel like we're good. We all know that he's God, and we all know that he's able, and we all know he can do miracles. The problem is we're stuck when we realize he didn't do it this time, or that's how we perceive it, that he didn't come through. But faith is also a confidence in a person. I'm not just confident in God's abilities. I'm confident in who he is, in the person of God. I'm not putting my faith in his abilities, in other words. And a lot of people all those years ago that were believing God for that young woman, they had a faith in his ability to heal her. They watched him do it. But when that healing went away, they were like shaken in their faith on who he was. One of my most recent favorite stories in the Bible is Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and we won't read the whole chapter in Daniel, but when you get to chapter 3 verses 16 through 18, we're going to read that in a second just to give you a brief synopsis. Babylon had taken over Jerusalem, and now this King Nebuchadnezzar was the person in charge, and he was a heathen. He didn't know God. He had his own gods he had created. In fact, he wanted to create himself to be a god. So he created this golden image, and he required the people of his community that every time the horns would blow and the music would play, everybody had to bow down to this golden image. But these, I want to call them kids, they were probably young men. But when you get to be in your 40s, you can start calling young men kids, right? Okay. If you're old enough to be their parent, you can call them kids, all right? So these kids decided, you know, they're like, no, we know better our God has taught us not to have any other idols or not to worship any other gods. So they're like, you know, we'll do all the other things that you want us to do. We're good people. We follow the rules. We follow the law, but we won't bow to and worship another God. That's where we draw the line. So we, we peek in on the story in verse 16 of Daniel chapter 3, and it says this, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the king "O nebuchadnezzar we do not need to give you an answer to this question they sound like arrogant young men maybe they just knew their god i don't know maybe they were courageous maybe they were crazy i don't know let's keep reading if we are thrown into the fire our god whom we serve is able to save us from it and he will save us from your hand O king verse 18. But even if he does not, we want you to know, O king, that we will not serve your gods or worship the object of gold that you have set. Again, crazy or courageous, I don't know. But as we read on, we pretty much figure out they were probably crazy and courageous. It takes some level of crazy to trust God. It takes a little bit of crazy to be obedient, right, to what God tells us to do, especially something like this. Standing up to a king, knowing that they were, were basically agreeing to certain death unless God stepped in on their behalf. And we all know the rest of the story. They got thrown into the fiery furnace. They was in there dancing with the fourth man, Jesus, right? <laughs> they turned up the heat on them, but they didn't burn because right. they didn't bow. And God rescued them, God saved them. What an awesome story of faith. And we're so used to hearing the success stories of faith or what we consider the success stories, our definition of success. Verse 17 sounds like an amazing statement of faith where they say, if we are thrown into the fire, our God whom we serve is able to save us from it and he will save us from your hand, O king. They were just crazy enough to believe God would save them. What a powerful statement of faith. We believe that God is and he is able. We trust in his abilities. But I believe the greater statement of faith came in the next verse. Verse 18, but even if he does not, we're still going to be obedient to God. We still won't bow Your idols, we still won't bow to your gods because we serve the God of all gods, the King of all kings, and we will obey and we trust in Him. There is a level of faith that comes when God does not answer our prayers. What are we gonna do then? I remember believing a time of believing God for some things in my life and having to come to a point where it was like, but God, I've been waiting a long, long time. I've been believing for a long, long time. And I know you can do what I'm asking. But I trust you that even if you don't, that you are still good. Can we look at Hebrews chapter 11, verse six, that whole verse there? Because we can get hung up on that first part, but without faith, it's impossible to believe him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is, right? He is God. That's what we talked about. That's faith, believing he is God and he is able. And the next part says, and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. To me, that's like a rewarder somebody who's really good. Like someone who's going to give me a reward out of their own possessions, out of their own doing, that's a good person. And I got to believe that he's a good God. And not just that he's all-powerful. Not just that he's a great God in reference to his abilities, but he's a good God and he cares for me. It's so hard to do, Jenny, because I've believed God. Yeah, well, I've believed God too. Remember this thing we talk about, like, I'm pretty much sure it's been every Sunday for the last 11 and a half years. We want to build your faith, your hope, your love and a real, relevant relationship. In relationships, you hear about it all the time. The most important thing you can have is what it's founded on. Love is a wonderful thing having affection for one another, one another attraction for one another, respect for one another, amazing, but a relation, real relevant relationship is built on trust. I trust that you love me and want the best for me, or I wouldn't have married you. <laughs> God, I trust you that you love me and you want the best for me, even when I don't understand it. Remember, his ways are higher. The formula is not gonna make sense, but God didn't say that we need to trust him and have faith in him only when things work out the way we planned. Wow. So the story wasn't really over for this family, you guys. It took a lot of years. And a few years back, my friend and I reconnected on Facebook. And I was blown away when I went to her page and saw all these things about God. She went through a long journey of questioning God and eventually found the road back to him. Amen. And the entire family made their way back to him and back to each other. And the appreciation and the love that they have for one another is like something beyond what they could have even asked or thought of. Sounds kind of like a scripture. that God always does exceedingly abundantly above what we could ask or think. We're asking for him to do this thing and then we're mad at him when he doesn't do it, when he's like, because I had something better in mind. I had something better in store. But then we forgot or we we got mad at God and we walked away because he didn't do it the way we wanted it done or the way we planned for it to be done. He's like, hang in there, hold on. Just don't let go. I love you. With a reckless kind of love. It was reckless for him to leave the 99 and go after the one. Do you realize that? It was reckless of him. Mamas, you don't leave the three kids at the house to go get the one that wandered off. It was reckless to leave the three little ones at home. He left, us, he left the 99 to go after one. That, that's the kind of love that doesn't make sense. It's not safe. We forget that he has the ability to still watch over the 99 as he's going after the one. He's not like us. His ways are higher than our ways. You know, this family, they came to a point where they had to accept that maybe they'll never know the reason why their sister, their daughter, their wife had to leave this earth. They may never know. You, I, I, honey, I may never know why God had to take you, why your loved one went home. I don't want to say God had to take them. Because we don't know the reasons behind it. But we have to be okay and rest. I started out this year, and the one thing that I felt the Lord speak really clearly to me was that you need to live your life from the foundation of love. I I may not know anything else. I may not be able to figure out anything else that happens in my life, but I am confident in this one thing that I am loved fully and completely by the one who matters most. So literally, people that are not a promise to us, that are just a privilege, could walk out of my life forever, but I will still be okay Because my foundation is rooted in the love of God that never changes for me, that would leave the 99 to come after me, that loves me with an everlasting love. Does anybody know what everlasting means? I mean, it lasts forever. How long is forever? It's forever. There's no end to it. It's an unending love that never changes based on what you do or you don't do. You can make all the mistakes in the world and he still loves you just the same. You didn't do anything to make him love you and you can't do anything to make him stop loving you. And the reality is, let me just give a little insight this morning. My friend's sister was healed. She's not sick today. She's completely whole. She's got a brand new body living in the very presence of her Lord and her Savior, Jesus. Jesus. I don't think she's up there disappointed because God didn't heal her in that moment. We're not going to get to heaven and be disappointed. And that was a revelation to me. Like God was saying to me, you're not going to get to heaven one day and be disappointed because you never became a mom. Because for 20 years, I believed to be a mom and it didn't happen. I don't know if you've lived 20 years believing God for something. Some of you are like, I lived 30 years. believing." Okay. You know what I'm talking about? It looked like there was no way that it was going to happen for me. (sighs) But I remember coming to a point that it was like, God, even if I never become a mom, you are still good. Natira, you can come. I don't know where we went with this message this morning. There were some things I wanted to share. I had some unpopular things that I've learned about faith. And in the faith community, it would not be popular to say things like, acceptance is okay. Because when you're in the faith community, they're like, you need to believe and don't ever speak any doubt. Don't let any, anything come in that would, would cause you to change. And like the whole thing has already happened. And yes, God is a miracle working God. We're not denying that by accepting the situation for what it is. God is a miracle working God in Pastor John's life, Pastor Kaya's life. But we're not denying, we've accepted the fact that there's a heart condition and that he's had a couple strokes. God is able, but our faith goes beyond us trusting in his abilities and we trust in who God is and that he is good. That's why we have to keep singing these songs about the goodness of God because we need, we're, we're human, we forget and we need to be reminded right. acceptance doesn't mean defeat or failure or that you doubt god really acceptance is a sign of humility and trust it's that we trust god that regardless of the fact that the situation is what it is god is still able and god is still good romans 8:28 and we know that all things work together for the good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. Another unpopular, I'm gonna skip a couple of these, but another one is, and I want you to go back and listen to the message from Tuesday night I keep hitting on that, but pain is inevitable. Yes, I stole it from Pastor Kaya, But that's unpopular in the faith community. They're like, no, we believe God, so we'll, as long as we make every decision right. I truly believed this as a young person. If I do everything right, do everything that the bible says if i speak only good things if i'm obedient to god nothing bad will ever happen to me and like pastor john had on a, a tuesday morning i think when your first stroke had a rude awakening that morning i had some rude anybody had some rude awakenings in their life where it was like i realized oh just because i do good or all the good things and make all the right choices Bad things can still happen to me. Because the last time I checked, we're not in heaven. Is this heaven? Is this heaven? I mean, we love this building and this place and being together, and it's awesome. We call down heaven much of the time, but we live in a fallen and broken world. And it rains on the just and the unjust. So for all of you that have sat under preaching and teaching that said, if you just believe it, you can receive it. If you can believe it and you can confess it and you can receive it and nothing bad will ever happen to you, I'm just going to, I want to give you some freedom this morning. Yeah, come on. I, I want to lift that off of you this yeah. morning. Yeah. And you're like, that doesn't sound like faith to tell me that bad things are going to happen to me. What are you going to do when the bad things come if no one prepares you? That's not being a good parent. If I tell Imani her whole life that if you make all the right choices and you never do anything wrong, nothing bad will ever happen to you. And then the moment comes that something bad happens. She's totally unprepared. This family was totally unprepared when their sister, when their daughter, when their wife died. Bad things happen. We're in an imperfect world. Quit expecting perfection. Be free from that this morning. Be okay this morning. God is with you. He is not going to leave you alone. I remember when I went through divorce in my life and I just thought, what's the right decision? Do I try to you know, make it right with my husband or do I move on? And God said, "Yes. I asked for one or the other, God. Which one is it?" He's like, "It's okay. Whatever you want to do." Yeah. Well, I don't have the freedom. You know all things, God. And he's like, "My point is I'm with you. It's going to be okay if you choose this or you choose that because I am with you. Whatever you do, do it in faith." Wow. Wow. And sometimes we make the wrong choices and we make, we pick the wrong road. But God is with us no matter what, if we're doing it by faith and he's gonna bring us back around and be like, okay, that was the wrong way. (laughs) How will we learn unless we have a little freedom with our choices? He created us with the ability, whom the son sets free is free indeed. We have the freedom to make these choices because he loves us. Love is freedom. The freedom to choose. And the last one I just wanna just mention It's unpopular sayings in the faith world. Sometimes you're going to be left with scars. I never understood that for a long time. I was like, if God heals completely, if God does this for me, he's going to deliver me completely. How many of you know scars don't hurt? They only serve as reminders scabs like when you're healing and going through the process it scabs over right we all know what that's like especially when we're kids we like to pick at them or whatever and you can pick at it and you can make it bleed again and you can pick at you can slow down the healing process and you can pick at it and make it hurt again but once it's healed you might have a little scar there but you can't pick at it you can't make it hurt you can't make it it just is a reminder There were lots of times in the Old Testament that they set up memorials, they set up monuments to remind them. Every time I walk past this part, I remember how God saved me. Every time you see that scar on your shoulder, on your back, you're reminded of how God saved you from that car accident. Every time, I I can't forget what happened to me in the past. But when I think about it, honestly, you guys, truly, God has healed me to the point where it's like I have the scar because I can remember what happened. But there's truly no pain that comes up when I think about it now. I'm healed. I'm not healed from the scar because the scar is really something beautiful. Because it's a reminder of how God was good. God saved me from that situation. And it didn't happen in the way I expected or wanted him to or thought that I wanted him to. It happened in a completely different way. How amazing. Two plus two equaled 25 that time. Amazing. So why would he leave a scar? The same reason Jesus was left with scars. He was left with scars. Did God not heal him? No. He was God. He was healed. He was perfect. He was completely whole. But he had these holes in his hands and in his side to serve as a reminder, not just for ourselves, but for others. No wonder you couldn't cover up that scar, Kaya, with the tattoo. Because it was to serve as a reminder to others. John 20, 20. And I'm going to leave you with this. He spoke. He showed them the wounds in his hands and his side. This is Jesus when he was resurrected, coming back to the disciples. And they were filled with joy when they saw the Lord. Your scars might be just what brings joy to someone else might be the thing that brings hope to somebody else. That's why every time it feels like I have a microphone, I want to share my story of hope because I want someone else to benefit from all the struggle, all the pain. So it wasn't for nothing. The pain you're going through right now is not for nothing is for something valuable and important. You just can't see it right now. The pain that 2020 has brought to your lives is for a purpose. And like they say in the Purpose Driven Life book, your greatest ministry will come from your greatest pain. That makes going through the pain a little bit easier. It's like if I know that somebody else is gonna benefit from this, I can get through it. And that's what's gotten me through every time. Don't reduce faith to a formula. Don't reduce God to a scientific equation that can be figured out every time. Even if he doesn't, he is still good. Amen. Let's stand to our feet this morning. Hallelujah. If you're thankful for the word, would you just give him a praise? God, we thank you for your word. It's powerful. It's life-changing. It's life to us. Hallelujah. And I just want to, as we close out this morning, I'm going to pray for everybody in the room. just want to say to you that are watching or if there's anybody in the room that doesn't know Jesus, like I hope you found some hope in these words this morning. Hope isn't just a thing or a feeling. It's a person. His name is Jesus. And he brings the dead back to life and he makes new things out of nothing. And if you heard anything this morning about how he is and how he is good no matter what happens in your life. I can't see how you wouldn't want to serve a God like that. So let me just say it's as simple as a prayer. It's not as simple as repeating words that someone else says, but it's about believing in your heart and confessing with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, that we, you believe that God raised him from the dead, and that we're committing our life to serve him. And Lord, we may not know the people that are listening this morning, God, where their their salvation is at, but right now, God, I just pray for those that are lost, that are listening, and I pray that you would make yourself very real in their living room, in their car, in their place of work, in this building this morning, God. Make yourself real to them, and make your love unfathomable but real to them that overwhelming never ending reckless love of God and God we just pray that Lord they would open up their hearts to you and pray this prayer that Lord we ask you to come into our hearts we believe that you died but that you rose again and Lord this morning I give you my heart I lay it down before you And I ask you to come in and take control and have your way in my life. I invite you in Jesus' name. And if you prayed that prayer this morning, let us know. If you're on the live feed, you can let us know in the chat. You can text to 94000, is it TBCF Life to 94000 because we want you to not be alone in this journey. We want to help you. We want to join arms with you. You've got a family here. And whether we can be together physically or not, with whatever your situation is, we want to be connected with you. We want to join with you on this journey. And Lord, this morning as we close out this service, I just pray for everybody that's listening at the sound of my voice, that's watching in this room or over a computer or or a cell phone or whatever it might be, television, that God, you would reveal yourself in an even greater way that you would continue to show us new sides of you, Lord, that we wouldn't be stagnant in our relationship with you, God, but that we would be intentional, God, to get to know you in a deeper, more meaningful way. Lord God, I just pray that you would lead us into that next level of faith, God, that we would learn to trust you, not just in what you can do for us, not just in your abilities, because we know that you are an almighty God and that there is nothing that's impossible with you. But God, take us to that next level of faith that says, even if you don't, you are still good and I will still trust you and I will still listen and I will obey. And we thank you, Lord, that you've not left us alone, that you are with us always. Just as you were with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, stepping out in faith in that fire, God, you are with us on this journey and that makes all the difference. We love you, we trust you, And we thank you this morning. We give you all the praise in Jesus' name. Amen. That's all the time we have for this episode of the Annex Podcast. But we encourage you to get connected with us by downloading and using our TBCF app today. Or you can visit our website at tbcf.life. That's tbcf.life. Until next time, thanks for stopping by to the Annex Podcast.